Sports Speak Podcast. This is your host, Aaron Daniels, and I know we've been away for a little while, but we're back around for season three. And uh, I got a good buddy of mine on the line with us. I'm talking about the head boys basketball coach at Sepulpa High School. I'm talking about Ricky Bruner Jr. Rick, you with us? I am. I am. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. How about you? So far, so good. Enjoying this spring weather, man, for as long as we can get it. Oh, Uh, yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Well, listen, I'm going to jump right into it, and we're going to bounce around a little bit because i got a list of things I want to talk to you about. But I want to start most recently, man. Talk about this season. Y'all made a run to the state tournament. Uh, You had a very, very uh, talented group. Y'all had a lot of depth. Um, I didn't get a chance to I didn't get a chance to watch you, but I got to follow the accolades from a distance and read all the all the write ups in the paper. And I talked. But just uh, walk me through this journey this year, coach. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a special season for us. Um, I know I had a good group, you know, going into the season um, because we had had a decent year uh, the year before and had had some injuries, you know, that kind of hurt us. um, And we got um, some of our best players back. So I knew going into the season, it'd be a special year. We had had a really good summer, you know, and uh, it was excited about what we had. Um, got a great group of kids that, you know, just bought into what we were trying to do. Um, hungry group of kids that were gym rats, you know, um, they done all the little things it takes to have a successful season. Um, just tremendous growth on and off the court from, from that group, you know. And uh, season started, you know, we started off uh, with eight straight road games. And so I knew it would be a tough year. Um, but, man, the guys, they just, you know, they accept challenges. You know, that's the good thing about this group that I had is they love to be challenged. You know, and I told them, I said, hey, guys, we're going on an eight-game road trip, you know, to open the season. And uh, guys started off well, you know, um, just taking it one game at a time. Um, and, and just to back up a little bit, you know, our practices – you know, leading up to the season um, with that depth that you're talking about. Um, you know, our first 10 to 12 players, you know, um, could go play and start on a lot of a lot of high school basketball teams, mm-hmm. you know, and so our, our practices are very intense, you know, when you got that many guys um, just competing every day. So that, that made our practices fun, um, you know, and we always talk to those guys about, you know, going hard in practice and you want to be the guy, whether you're on that first group or that second group, when we hit the game, we want the game to be easier. You know, we want it to feel like it's easier. Um, and those guys bought, bought into that, you know what I mean, um, just pushing each other. We we're for- very fortunate to have a very special year this year uh, to make it back to the state tournament for the first time in 20 years for our program. You Man. know, so, uh, yeah, that was it was definitely a special season. That's a, that's a major thing, which is, and that's actually a good segue for the other direction I want to go with it. You are a native of Sepulpa, am I right? Yes, sir. Man. Yes, sir. Now, did, did, did this run this year did well? Let me say that over. You being from the same community where you're able to serve in now, and for you all to you know achieve such a milestone like you just talked about, which you know y'all been absent from the state tournament as you say in so many years. Man, how'd that feel to you on a personal level, being a, a hometown boy, born and bred? Oh, it meant it meant it was huge. It meant a lot to me. You know, the last time we were in the state tournament, I was actually a player. Yeah. Um, 1999 I was a junior in high school you know and that's the last time we went to the state tournament you know and when I thought sit back and thought about it because I didn't even realize it at first I was like hey this is the 20 year anniversary of the last time we've been back to the state tournament wow so there were there were a lot of you know intangibles going into the season um that I felt like man this is just going to be a special special year you know and coming back home to be able to do it in, in my hometown um if you've seen one of our games, I mean, I believe we had the best crowd in the state of Oklahoma this year. You know, um, the community came out and supported us. 
I mean, I know we were games uh, at home where we played Booger T. Washington. There were, there were over 2,000 people in the gym. You know, same thing when we played Sand Springs. Um, same thing in the first round of the state tournament at Catoosa and in the area championship where the gym is just full of blue and white, you know. Um, so it was a special season, not only for our team, but for our community. You know, um, this is a town that definitely gets behind you, you know, and our guys done a great job of, you know, we've done a lot of things to get out in the community, you know, um, as far as walking through neighborhoods, picking up trash, volunteering our time at, at churches to help them move furniture, you know, and all that stuff. And I think that just teaches our young man a good lesson. You know, we want to give back to the community. And at the same time, it, it shows them, you know, that we're, it's bigger than basketball. So they want to come out and support us. You know, but it was just special for our community, special for this group of young men. Um, you know, we had so many storylines this year um, of different reasons why we're playing. You know, like I went into the season and I dedicated this season to my sister who had passed away two years ago. You know, um, you know and so it was just um, Julian Smith dedicating the season to his mom. You know, we just it was so many things that that pushed us and drove us to get back to that state tournament, you know, besides just, you know, just playing basketball. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely special to come home and do that and get and revive the program and get the program back going in the right now, direction. Coach, I know you're, you are a competitor. So whenever you took the position uh, at Sepulpa, did you, did you feel, did you feel any, any pressure or any scrutiny in terms of expectations that you had to live up to, whether it was self-induced or coming from uh, exter external sources? Um, yeah, I definitely felt a lot of pressure. I think um, probably 100% of it was self-induced, you know, um, but but I like pressure. You know, I had an old coach tell me a long time ago, pressure makes me fresher, you know. Um, Put that on the T-shirt. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I definitely felt pressure, you know, um, but I think it, I used it in a positive direction. It just drove me to push harder, to work harder, watch more film, get the guys in the gym more often, you know. Um, just be sharp on all the details. So, yeah, it was definitely pressure. You know, you hometown kid, you want to come back. People got question marks because, um, you know, Conley Phipps had had some success um, here at Sepulpa before I got here, you know, and I just wanted to take it to the next level. Um, and I think we've done that, you know. Um, my assistant coaches have been a huge part of that, you know, being able to bring in uh, Jimmy Walker as my assistant coach. Uh, Rod Hall, Jerez Howard, Zach Henderson, uh, little Josh Little Bear, all those guys, man. They just, you know, every head coach knows you're only as good as your as your assistants, you know. Um, so those guys, you know, also helped relieve some of their pressure um, off of me just by being in the gym, you know, helping me with those guys, pushing us to the next level. But it was definitely some pressure. Um, but again, you know, we just take that pressure and we use it to our advantage as a positive thing to help drive us to that no success. And the way I look at pressure, I look at it as, you know, if you got enough expectations of yourself, then whatever expectations other people try to harp on you, it ain't, they ain't ever going to measure up to what you want to do yourself. So it shouldn't even move you. That's, that's, that's true. That's, Good that's deal. Right. Now, uh, you, you talked about uh, support having a little bit of success um, before you were able to arrive. And one thing I've learned in my, in my short time coaching boys basketball is that there's usually uh, a little a time period that could go longer or it could go shorter, depending on who, where, what, and why uh, that it takes for boys to trust and to buy in. Uh, was there a term or a time frame that you can think of? That, uh, that it took for the boys to buy into what you were selling when you first got there to support them? Or was it something that happened pretty early? 
Well, I would say it happened pretty early. I think there's a couple different time frames where it, it grew, you know. But, um, you know, I'll say, you know, Julian Smith, I think, was a huge part of the buy-in early. Um, me coming in, you know, I'm a guy that's going to take guys. We're going to go on the track and we're going to run in the heat. We're going to get in the bleachers. We're going to get after it. And those guys hadn't done that before, you know, so I thought there might be some fight as far as that. Um, but I know that that first day coming in, you know, I was just shocked with um, Julian Smith's leadership um, when we hit that track and we're running bleachers and he's talking to guys and pushing them, you know, and I was just like, wow, man, this this might be a little bit easier than I thought. You know what I mean? Um, guys like Jacoby Durant, you know, um, same way, you know, step in and leading by example. So um, that buy-in, you know, was happened really, really quickly. Um, and then I think, you know, I've, I've seen all the talent that I had. And once they seen that, you know, everybody had a fair chance, there's no favorites. I got an opportunity to go out here and play. Um, and they seen we were playing lots of bodies and we were building that team chemistry. You know, that buy-in just continued to grow, you know, and continued to grow. And, uh, you know, as far as this, um, that f the first year I was here at Sepulpa, um, like I said, we had injuries. And we kind of depended on Julian Smith a lot to lead us. You know, um, he was averaging 26 points a game before um, he got hurt halfway through the year. And uh, so a lot of other guys had to step up and uh, they, they got a lot better. We didn't win as many games that first year after Julian went down. But guys grew. They got a lot better. Um, we played all summer without Julian Smith and Cameron Dennis. You know, so, um, those guys got a lot better. And then when we got those guys, you know, Cameron Dennis comes in. Um, and then Julian Smith's back from injury, you know, it was another adjustment for, for Julian because he was used to always having the ball in his hands, but he's like, okay, these guys have, have gotten better. But again, his leadership, you know, kicked in and he shared the ball more than he did the previous year. Um, and when we went to the elite 14, um, this year and we went and we stayed as a team, you know, um, down there in the little uh, in the little, uh, baseball bunk room or whatever you would call it. Um, I mean, we got there. We were together the whole time, you know, just team bonding. Um, we went down there and played really well against, uh, you know, R.J. Hampton and the he's number one yes, guard sir. in the country. Jimmy, tell me about that trip. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that trip at the Elite 14, I think confidence-wise, you know, um, team camaraderie, we just grew. We knew we had, had something special. And another uh, turning point for us, we were able to go to the Western Kentucky Hoops Classic this year um, down in Princeton, Kentucky, and play against the number one team in Mississippi, play against one of the top teams in Tennessee. And, again, it was another, another one of those road trips. Like, if you've never been to Princeton, Kentucky, there's not much there, you know. Um, you can't do anything but playing basketball. And so those guys bonded again down there, um, lost by one point to the number one team out of Mississippi who actually ended up winning the state championship in Mississippi this year um, and then was able to beat number, one of the top teams in Tennessee. Um, they have a player by the name of Keon Johnson, who's like the number 20 junior in the country, been offered by the University of Tennessee. Um, we were able to beat them by 20-plus points, you know, and that confidence grew, and they just felt like, you know, they could beat anybody. So it was a couple different, you know, points from that first year to this year where it just continued to grow. But as far as the just overall buy-in, 
it, it happened pretty That's quick. That's a major thing. And uh, I, I want to shoot this one at you, Coach, um, because, you know, I kick this around with a lot of my buddies in the, in the coaching circle. But I, I haven't gotten a chance to ask you this. But um, you you dropped a couple of names of guys in your program that are, you know, notable names. I think they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty well known throughout uh, the state of Oklahoma at this point for what they can do. But um, in your in your opinion, hello, are you there? I think I lost you, Coach. All right, picking up right where we left off because we lost a little audio. I wanted to uh, ask you something about leadership, Coach. And uh, where I'm coming, okay. from, where I'm coming from is I, I've seen that your best players or your most talented guys don't necessarily have to be uh, your leaders. And in a lot of cases, I see I see some coaches that try to force that role onto their top most talented players. And sometimes there's a clash between that player's natural personality and the role that's being. Uh, demanded of them. How important is it to you, in your estimation, for your top talents to be your biggest and best leaders, or does it matter to you one way or the other? Um, no, it really doesn't matter to me. I think, um, you know, um, being a leader is uh, is natural a lot of the times, mm -hmm. um, so you can't really force that on someone. Um, you know, uh, like I said, Julian Smith was one of our leaders, and I think um, some of his, a lot of his leadership ability comes naturally. Um, but also Jacoby Durant, like for us, was one of our leaders, but he led in a different way. You know, um, he's a quiet kid, um, but he led by by example. You know what I mean? Um, he was kind of the heart and soul of our team as far as he's going to do with everything that you ask, you know, um, without even having to say anything. You know, um, he would just lead by example. You know, um, good student, great player, works hard, stays after practice, just kind of a quiet, humble leader. You know, um, so we, we had a, a, a couple of different leaders. I don't think we just had one, you know, leader that just stood out, you know, and just, you know, he was our only leader. We had a bunch of guys that led in a different way. And I think, you know, um, matter of fact, um, Jamel Broner, you know, was one of our leaders as well. And, and he didn't play many minutes for us um, at all, you know. But, I mean, he was that, that coach 
from the bench. You know, he was kind of an extension of me. You know, he knew everything that was going on. He could tell a guy what his stats was. Um, he would he would come to me and be like, hey, Coach Brunner, we might need to do this. We might need to do that. You know, um, so leaders to me can come from, you know, a guy that's playing, a guy that's on the bench, a guy that's just a part of the team. You know, um, I don't really, you know, push that on one certain person. I just kind of like that to just come naturally. That's a big time thing right there, Coach. And uh, and what we I told you, like I said, we're gonna bounce around. Talk to me about how how your career was as a player. What what type of player were you once you got to be in high school and college? Um, I was I was a team first guy. You know, um, all my teammates loved playing with me. You know, I was true point guard. You know, I'm gonna come down and uh, you know, try to be an extension of the coach, like I was talking about. Maybe that's why I'm in the coaching now. You know, um. <laughs> But, you know, I was past first guy, played on some really good basketball teams. Um, you know, like like we said, I'm from Sepulpa. I was a part of uh, two state tournament teams um, at Sepulpa, uh, played point guard there and, you know, played with some really talented basketball players. Uh, Brian Cardwell, who was a 6'9 center who could shoot it, who could block shots, who could do it all, ended up being a professional baseball player. Um, the Baker Twins, who were both 6'4", 6'5", uh, David Marshall, who kind of took me under his wing when I was a sophomore, you know, and, and showed me the ropes of, you know, kind of that's the pulpit tradition of what a point guard should be, you know, and those leadership things. And I kind of talk to my guys about that now, you know, um, taking those younger guys under your wing and show, showing them the ropes and showing them, you know, this is how we do it here at Sepulpa. Um, but I had a great high school career, you know, played in two state tournaments. Uh, as a matter of fact, my from my freshman year, to my in three uh, supposals in three state tournaments, you know, made it to the state semifinals three years in a row. Could never get over that hump, you know, but we won 60 games in three years. Um, so it was, you know, a special group of guys that I played with that Sepulpa. And then from there, um, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go play at NEO under Coach Lonnie Spencer, you know, played two years down there. Um, again, with great teammates, you know, um, same type of player. You know, team first, true point guard. Um, always hung my hat on the defensive end of the floor. You know, I was a great defender. Um, and that's probably why my teams play the way they do now. You know, we're always defense first. We get after you, you know, defensively. Um, had a good career at NEO. And then finished up playing at, uh, at Bacon College down there. And that's probably the, the, the best offensively I was when I got older, you know. Mm-hmm. Started shooting that thing a little bit more. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just, hey, that, I, I, I was wondering, man, whenever we were playing pickup back in, back in the Rogers days when you and Jimbo were working over there a couple of years back and you had that gunslinger on you, I was like, okay, this must be who he was. But I, I'm learning that that wasn't always who you were. No, no, that, that didn't happen until later on in my career. You know, I guess I said, hey, it's about to be over. I better, I better put up some numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, I, I want to run this at you, Coach. Um, okay. Because I, I went the junior college route, too. I ended up going to Murray State for two years. And one thing that I learned, and uh, you can correct me if, if, you know, if you dealt with something different, but I was a team first guy, too. And I was fortunate enough to remain that way throughout my career. But my mentality in that regard got tested once I went to junior college because, man, it's some dogs at that level and they all trying to get up out of there and make another. Move. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, no, did, did you have to adjust your game to that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's it's like survival of the fittest when you get to that JUCO level. You know, it's it's some talented guys, you know, and that's one thing I've told my high school guys. JUCO kind of gets a knock, a knock, you know, like, but I'm like, it's it's nothing but 
it's nothing but D1 guys, you know, that they're, they're talented, you know, and you got to go there and you got to be hooked up every day. You know, I remember times at JUCO um, and no, I wouldn't even go to the trainer because I was like, man, if I, if I miss a practice or something, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose my spot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's JUCO. I definitely was tougher when I left, when I left junior college, you know, it, it taught me a lot. Um, you know, and I don't, I feel like I don't think I would be as a good a coach or as tough as a person as I am now if I hadn't had no went to Juco. No doubt about it. it definitely makes up some fabric. And one thing I can remember is um, being there with a lot of cats that, you know, I, I knew how good I was and how good I wasn't always. And I see some, some straight up athletic phenoms in the gym with me. And I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. know how this going to work out. But I was able to outlast some of them because, you know, them cats don't know how to act or they mess up in, in the classroom. And after the holiday break, boy, what, what used to be 20 guys is like eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I know when I got to NEO, there was about 30, 35 guys there. And the coach goes, uh, I need my scholarship guys on the floor. So, like, 12 of us walk on the floor. And you got 20, 30 other guys over there, you know, trying to walk on and get a spot. And I mean, it, it's it's tough, you know, and you, you got to go do your thing and everything has to be right. And I tell my guys all the time, I've never been on a team where I was the most talented player, but I've always found a way to play, you know, and, and it was because of I was going to get the grades. I wasn't going to get in any trouble and I was going to outwork everybody, you know, and I was going to find a way to get on that floor. You know, I was going to find a way to earn those minutes. You know, if when I was in JUCO, if it was a guard, you know, I'm 5'10", and if there was a guard my height or shorter, he was quicker than I was. If I was quicker than him, he was 6'3", 6'4", you know, so I have to find an advantage, you know, so let me get in this weight room to make sure I'm strong. Let me know angles. Let me watch film. Let me do whatever I got to do so I can be better than this guy that's naturally more talented than I am, you know. Um, so you just – you just got to find a way to get it done. No doubt, no doubt. And, you know, we talk a lot about errors nowadays whenever we're comparing nowadays players to, you know, players of the past, whether it's the distant past or some, some cats that's, you know, not that far removed from the game. But what I'm gearing up to say is as far as coaching styles then versus now, were, uh, do you remember yourself being somebody who, who couldn't take a whole lot or were you one of those that was tough as boot leather, man? You could just take a coach getting on to you and you knew how to respond in, in productivity. Oh, yeah, definitely could, definitely could take a coach that was all over me, you know. And, you know, I think that is part of that era. You know, you're used to coaches coming at you hard, just telling you how it is, you know. Um, but that's – I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, I'd rather a coach be honest with me, get on to me, you know, because to me that shows that, you know, they see something in me and that was just going to push me to make me work harder and to, you know, drive just that much harder. I never was a guy that was shut down if a coach was going to get on to me or anything. I'd rather get on to get on to me than not say anything at all, you know. And and you do see kids now nowadays that, you know, can't really take that or can't handle that or you got to watch, you know, how what you say to a kid. And, and I get it, you know. Um, but I'll tell you the, the group that I had this year. I mean, we were on those guys, you know. Um, we we're old school program for the most part. You know what I mean? Um, no, we're not cussing kids up and down because that's not really my personality but but we're on them you know about everything you know on and off the court and those guys that I have they respond they respond well to that you know um so they those guys that I have they have a little bit of old school in them 
and I think that that helped us a lot this year. Yeah, you also mentioned a pretty a pretty interesting point uh, in one of your last explanations. You, you had said something about the older guys um, taking the younger guys under their wing, and man, I think that that's something that um, that I wish I would see more of in terms of the older guys um, caring enough. To, to go into the young fellas or the young ladies too, for that matter, and saying, "Hey, young one, this is how it goes," and w- without feeling feeling threatened, and also the young ones being receptive and understanding that, okay, here's somebody who's been around the block a time or two more than me. Let me hear them out, dude. Would you say you have a pretty good amount of that going on in your program? Yeah, we do. You know, like I talked about Julian Smith earlier, he's a kid that played uh, varsity basketball since he's been a freshman. You know, so that's something that I want him to expect that he should should be doing is showing other guys the ropes. I mean, you've done this for three, four years now, you know, so, you know, show these guys how it's done. Show them the things that they need to be doing, um, you know. Um, and then when the program that you play for is important to you, you know, that tradition is important to you, you want to see that success continue when you leave from here, you know. And that's what David Marshall done for me. When I came in um, from a freshman and a sophomore, you know, he had high expectations because he cared about not only himself, but he cared about the support of the program. And when you care about the program, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, he comes up to the gym now and talks to my guys, you know, um, because he wants to see the program win. He wants to see the program be successful because you're still a part of that. You still feel like you're a chieftain, you know, when you, and, you know, even though I may have been at some other places and, you know, things like that, you know, deep down, I'm, I'll always be a support chieftain, you know. And so you always root for your alma mater and want to see them do well. And when you feel like that, you want to help the next guy. You know, you want to see him be successful and continue that tradition. No doubt about it. Man, that's a beautiful statement, Coach. And that's, and that's, that's called being woven in the fabric right there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, coach, let's talk about your coaching background. When, when was it – was there a moment that you can think back to where you knew, okay, this is what I want to do for a living? Yeah, definitely. Um, I went to NEO for two years, and then um, I went to Missouri Southern, and I was young and dumb, you know, ended up leaving, going home. I didn't want a red shirt. And well, my cousin Larry Heath, who's the head coach at Kellyville, got me a job um, – at Sepulpa as a para. And so I was a para at the junior high at Sepulpa um, for a year. And I used to go in and, and work out with the high school guys, you know, and I helped him um, coach his eighth grade boys basketball team. And we went 16 and three that year, you know, and I just had a blast. And I mean, and I watched him and how he was with those guys. And I was with him in practice every day, you know, and I would go practice against the uh, high school boys, you know, just to kind of stay in shape and play and different mm-hmm. things like that. But spending a year with Larry Heath um, and his eighth grade group, you know, I said, man, this is what I want to do right here. You know, um, I just seen the way he was with those kids, the way they responded to him, you know, and it was just it was I was like, it's a no brainer. This is what I want to do. You know, so um, after that year as a pair, you know, I drove myself down to Bacon College, tried out, made the team, you know, played basketball and got my degree, and I knew I wanted to go into coaching, you know. But I would say it was an eighth grade year with Larry Heath that uh, that made me want to become a coach, you know. And so then after that, I was um, fortunate enough to get hired um, at Tulsa Rogers, uh, my first job. Didn't know what I was getting myself into, 
you know, um, I was actually Jimmy Walker's yep. assistant coach. You, you know, already, and he's my you already knew where I was going with it, man. Yes, sir. Tell me about that. Yeah. Because, and what's yeah. interesting, and, uh, and I'm going to pass the ball back to you in just a moment. Well, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about about 30 minutes ago. I'm like, you know what? When I first met you, you were working uh, you were working on Jimmy's staff, helping him. And now I'm looking at the dynamic now. The, the roles have sort of reversed. And that, that's, that's the coaching fraternity right there, ain't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to be Jimmy's assistant, you know, and uh, and I, you know, well as I know, he's a great guy, great coach. You know, um, we have a lot of the same philosophies, you know, and we kind of, you know, were raised the same and things like that. So, and that's a big deal to me, you know, as I want to work with people um, that we believe in each other. We kind of have the same upbringing and the same thoughts, you know, on, on things that we want to do and how we want to oh, treat God. young men. Uh, so that's that's been awesome, you know, that I was able to work with him for two years and learned a lot. You know, and then when I was hired at Sepulpa, um, he was the first one to call me, you know, and he goes, Bruno, I'd definitely be interested in coming to help you out at Sepulpa. And I was just getting ready to call him anyway, you know. <laughs> like you know, yeah, definitely. You know, my AD was like, man, who do you who are you thinking of that you want as your assistant? And the first, uh, I need Jimmy Walker. You know what I mean? That, that's my guy. I need him. And uh, so I was fortunate enough, you know, to, to get him on my staff and, you know, it's it's a great deal because we don't look at it as I'm the head coach, he's the assistant, and that we're just basketball coaches. You know what I mean? And and it helps a lot that he's been a head coach because he he gets stuff done, and I don't even have to ask. You know, I'll Bruno, I'll, I'll say something, he'll be like, Bruno, I already took care of that. You know, I you know, so that's that's awesome to have. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. You know, after I um, after my first job with Jimmy at Rogers for two years, learned a lot over there, and then I um. I went to Monroe Demonstration. Actually, no, let me back up. I went to Sepulpa um, as an assistant for two years under James Womack. Mm, shout out to and, um, Yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was actually my he was actually my assistant coach when I played at Sepulpa in high school. Man. So, um, yeah, I was an assistant for him, you know, and I was teaching in Tulsa, but coaching in Sepulpa, and I was driving back and forth twice a day because we practice in the morning, we practice after school. You know, done that for two years, and then I got um, a coaching job at Monroe Demonstration, um, and it had been shut down, and it had just reopened, and the principal at the time, you know, um, it, all they had was sixth grade. They were starting off with sixth grade, the next year going to add seventh, next year was going to add eighth, and I'll be honest with you, I was like, man, I don't want to go to Monroe. They only got sixth graders. They don't even have an athletic right. program. Well, I start, uh, you know, and the principal didn't even want to have athletics. And I, you know, I talked to him. I'm like, you know, we, we got to have athletics or you're going to, that's going to be a problem for some of these kids. They got to have an outlet, yes. you know? So he let me start a sixth grade boys basketball team. Um, I probably had six, seven players, did a fish fry to, to buy some jerseys, yeah. well, you I know, and, and play. man, that was the go-to, <laughs> yeah. that was the go-to fundraiser for a while, man. Yeah, I'll never forget it. We ordered, we made seventeen hundred dollars and was able to buy some uniforms, and we played in the league. I think we won one game. You know, um, the next the next year, I was able to add a sixth and a seventh grade boys and girls team. I was the athletic director um, at Monroe Demonstration. I started a football team over there. Got the got the soccer team going. You know, and eventually we got the sixth, seventh, and eighth. Um, and then I was able to win two city state championships um, over there. Had a really talented group, you know, um, and I was coaching boys and girls. Um, and a lot of those kids that I coached over there actually graduated last year and graduated this year. I know you know uh, LaCar Jordan. 
Just uh, coached her as a seventh grader. Yeah, I coached her as a seventh grader and actually sent her to Josh Berry and Jimmy Walker to start coaching her in AAU, you know, and they helped get her to the next level as well as her high school coaches. You know, um, was able to coach some really talented kids um, at Monroe and then was fortunate enough to get a job. Was fortunate enough to get a job at, at Tahlequah High School, you know, um, and be the head coach there for, for three years before I came back to Sepulpa where I'm at now. Man. And uh, a couple of comparisons that I want to ask you to make for me based on all of that stuff you said. First of all, you know, any coach, any basketball coach that I talk to who has coached both boys and girls, I always like to know what are the differences, if you can speak to any, um, that you saw and experienced um, between boys versus girls? Well, I'll tell you that girls group that I coached is the toughest group that I've ever coached mm. in my life. Um, I had five girls. We went nine and three, and we won half of our games with four girls on the floor, you know. Um, and one of the things I, I would say that girls do better than boys is execute. You know, um, those girls were tough. They would execute. They would get after you, you know. And, and not that the team, boys' teams that I haven't coached aren't tough, but hands down, that girls' team that I coached at Monroe was the toughest team and the best executing team that I've coached by far. Man. So he said five girls, but half of the season it was just four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they would they would come in and practice against the boys, you know, and because um, I was doing both of them, you know, and I, sometimes I'd go our gyms were like right across the hall from each other. I'd get the boys going, and then I'd go over there and get the girls going. And then I'd have my wife come in and help me. I'd have the principal come in and help me. I mean, we just, you know, got it done. By any means necessary, we were getting it done. Working by community right there. That's a beautiful thing, Coach. Man. Yeah, <laughs> Another definitely. comparison I want to ask you to make for me is um, we we got we actually ended up coaching against one another when you were at Tahlequah and I was at Piedmont. And, um, and I, I think that was the year before you ended up making the move to Sepulpa. And I want to ask you, um, what are some differences in, in – in the kids, all right, the types of the types of kids you encountered when you were at Tahlequah versus the ones you encounter now at Sepulpa. I mean, other than the fact that one school is five eight, the other school is six eight. Well, I would I would say one of the main differences from the Tahlequah kids to the Sepulpa kids, um, the Sepulpa kids, they they have it a little tougher, and so basketball is a way for them to get to the next level, you know. Um, and far as at, at Tahlequah, and it's not a knock either way, but um, those kids, they have a little bit more support um, at home, you know, so those kids were kind of like, well, I'm going to college either way, basketball or not, you know, which is which is a great thing, you know what I mean? Um, those The Sepulpa kids are more gym rats, you know. Um, they push a little bit harder basketball-wise, um, and, and I think one of the deals, too, is just the, the community. Sepulpa is a basketball community. You know, um, Tahlequah, they're more wrestling, football. Girls basketball has a great program and not a knock to the boys basketball uh, program or what, but that tradition, um, the Sepulpa tradition is a little bit better. So it just breeds, you know, better basketball players. Um, and, and two, this, the area, I think, makes a difference in the type of player that you have. For instance, you know, when I went to Tahlequah, I, I pushed those guys a lot to, you know, get on the circuit and play AAU basketball. Because um, a lot of them haven't had that experience um, down there where you get to Sepulpa and it's, you know, right by Tulsa. Um, you know, AAU is a bigger, 
bigger deal, you know, summer basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just play more basketball here, you know what I mean, than they do in Tahlequah. Um, and in Tahlequah, you know, other things are a little bit more important than basketball, which, like I said, it's not a knock either way. Um, but they're just a little bit more driven here. So probably have a, kids have a different drive as far as to be more successful in For basketball. Sure. And it's one of those, one of those uh, components that, that, that comes from being right on the outskirts of the metro area, like you were saying. Um, yeah. You know, based on that mentality that you spoke about a little bit, as far as, far as a kid, you know, maybe maybe a have-not, so to speak. And I, I don't say that to, to diminish anybody, but a kid who may need sports as means to um, get out of their circumstances versus a kid who doesn't need it, but I feel like they both can be driven by something. Now, do you remember um, or something that you can speak to in terms of the way that you would go about trying to motivate a kid that didn't necessarily need basketball versus a kid who does? Yeah, for a kid that that doesn't need basketball, you know, I believe you want to give yourself as many opportunities as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in sports, you know, most like you know as well as I do, most kids aren't going to make it to the NBA, you know, but the way you approach that sport is the same way you're going to approach life, you know, so maybe you don't need basketball for college, but what are you doing while you're, while you're, while you're in here? You know what I mean? Are you going as hard as you possibly can? Are you still being a student of the game and becoming the best that you could be? Because if you're being lazy in here with me for two hours, hour and a half, however long we're in here, you know, then I'm questioning what you're doing when you're outside of here, you know, but a kid that's giving me everything he has every day, you know, I can look at a kid and I can say, um, well, I'll give you an example, Jacoby Durant, who plays for me, he's not the best player on our team, but I know the way that he carries himself, the way that he acts in the classroom and on the basketball court, he's going to be successful in life, no matter what he does, you know, and so that's that push that I give him, like, you should be approaching this basketball the same way you're approaching everything else you know with the best ability that you can giving it everything that you got every single day because that's how you're going to make it that's through life like in the words of the great Sidney carter yeah, everything you do carries over it carries over you know i had to turn my impersonation switch on real quick coach <laughs> i know let's get back to the physical um it's the spring right now and in in my opinion and this is the most pivotal part of any calendar year in terms of a basketball player individually growing his, his or her game. Um, what's an off season and, and a summer look like uh, in the Sepulpa program? Well, in Sepulpa, you know, we, we live in the gym, you know, um, we're in the gym all the time. You know, those guys play AU basketball, you know, I think pretty much, you know, pretty much every kid in our program, it's going to be on a summer team outside of, you know, playing team camps with us, but we'll go to, we'll go to two team camps in a summer league. You know, we'll go to Bishop Kelly summer league. Um, we'll go to OSU team camp and then we're, you know, working now on finding another team camp that we want to go to. Um, we open up the gym all the time, you know, just open gym sessions for those guys to come in and shoot or play if they want to play. Um, we try to get older guys in the gym all the time, as you know, just same way we did when we were at Rogers, when I was Jimmy's assistant, um, bringing in quality basketball players that that are older, that can, you know, play against those guys, beat them up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, teaching them the game, you know, talking trash to them, making them tougher. Yeah. Um, so we open up the gym all the time and, you know, invite those guys in to come play pick up basketball. Um, we open a gym up before school for guys that want to come in and shoot. We stay late for guys that want to stay late and shoot. 
you know, um, and again, that goes back to having great coaches around you because I don't have to do it by myself. You know, we all got families, you know, so we kind of bounce that off of each other. You know, Jimmy may be in there one day um, in the mornings. I'll stay late, you know, just different things like that. Um, that just, you know, builds that culture of guys wanting to be in the gym. And I feel like our players have made that a lot better, too, because we have gym rats on our team. And so um, Jay Duncan, you know, he's in the gym all the time, you know, before school, after school, um, late at night, you know. And so those guys have seen him improve. So now they want to get in the gym, you know. So, um, but, yeah, team camps, uh, summer league, open gyms, you know, just anything we can do to help our guys get better. And also, you know, just opening that gym up so they're not doing something else, you know. I'd rather them be in the gym than on the streets. Man, that's a fact. So, um, Easy decision. Yeah, so the gym as, as much as possible. Now, Coach, based on what you have coming back next year and based on, you know, what you know about your personnel, what type of team um, do you anticipate that, you're, that y'all will be able to put on the floor next year? What type of team will y'all have next season? Um, I look for us to have a very successful season next year. Um, I think our team – we're, we're missing some really – we're losing some really quality basketball players. Um, but I think we'll be a better executing team next year. Uh, we'll be a better shooting team. Um, just with those the growth that we have, um, I think our leadership will be better, you know, because those guys, you know, um, some of them that will be playing for us for three years now, you know, so um, they'll know exactly what we want. Um, and just that experience of making it to the state tournament, you know, because when we got to that state tournament this year, um, after I looked back at it, you could tell that we hadn't been there before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, from the players to the coaches, you right. know, the only coach on our staff that had been there before was Coach Walker. You know, I hadn't been there before as a head coach. And there were some things that I felt like I could have done differently. There were things the players, you know, they felt like they could have played better and di- different things like that, you know. And you know how it is when you lose. You always second-guess everything. Yeah, nitpicking yourself. Um, yeah, definitely. But I think that experience of getting to the state tournament um, will drive these guys, you know, all summer, all all season, all preseason to get back. Because once you get a taste of it, you know, oh, you you, you want it again. Yes. You, you know? can't duplicate. I, think, I mean, you can't duplicate that that atmosphere or that experience at that level, man. You just can't. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and we'll we'll be longer next year. You know, um, I'll be able to put up put lineups on the floor. We'll be, you know, from six three to six five you know we could have four or five guys on the floor from that six three to six five range so we will be pretty long and athletic again and and with all long guys that can shoot the basketball as well man ain't, ain't in the trip house shooting has gone from from something that was nice to have to a flat out necessity you gotta have it <laughs> definitely definitely you gotta be able to shoot that basketball now um and man you know what this right here jimmy was telling me about about this and i'm getting ready to throw it at you and i'm definitely stealing it from you man he he mentioned an overnight basketball camp that served as a fundraiser for you guys man it, it was it was super i mean the concept was super dope man I, if you i don't remember what what y'all named it as far as the theme but if you know what i'm talking about can you break some of that down for me yeah we call it gym rat night okay. You know, um, and all it is, the kids come, you know, we have an overnight basketball camp and we use it as a fundraiser. And uh, what we do is, you know, we'll send flyers to the school, overnight basketball camp. The kids show up. Um, Registration usually is like from six o'clock to seven o'clock. And we'll do it on the night that we have a high school football game. And so the kids will come in, they'll sign up, you know, they'll bring sleeping bags and pillows. Um, We'll have a concession going for them. We'll get them pizza. Um, and they'll come in and get a wristband, and then we'll walk them over to the football game. And um, 
Our AD, he blocks off an entire section at the stadium for us, and those kids sit, enjoy the football game. You know, we root our football team on. And then um, after the football game, we'll, we'll go back over to the gym, and we'll just run it like an all-night basketball camp. And we try to keep those kids busy and keep them. We'll do drills. We'll play competitions, you know, just like a regular basketball camp. Um, and we'll try to keep them going as long as possible. Usually we keep them going 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then we'll put on a movie, you know, upstairs in our gym. We'll put on the movie on our uh, big screen. And they'll get their sleeping bags. They'll go to sleep. Um, and the crazy thing is half of the kids never go to sleep. Oh, yeah, man. They'll just <laughs> that run. ain't even crazy to me. I anticipated that. Yeah, they'll just run all night and play basketball all night from, from 6 o'clock when they get there. You know, after that football game until, you know, 6 the next morning, they'll be going. And, I, you know, I tell parents, hey, 6 o'clock pickup, you know, and it's it's a rough night on us coaches. But, at the, you know, every year I do it, I'll be like, man, I'm not doing this next year. And I do it again <laughs> every year because we have a blast. It's fun and we have a blast. But, and I tell you one thing it's done for us, too, it's good for your team, you know, like because our players pretty much do all the work, good. you know. Um and it's, it's good team bonding for them because they got to stay up all night, too, when they got to – you know, I tell them, hey, this is a big deal. We're watching other people's kids. We can't lose anybody's kids, <laughs> you fact. know. That is a fact. Well, and, and they're going to be busybodies, as, I, as, as you just said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, it, but it's, it's a fun night, you know, and it's a great fundraiser for us, and the kids, they look forward to doing it every year. Man, so, so the instruction starts after the football game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, after the football. <laughs> you know, we get, you know, three hours at the football game, you know, waste a little time. And we're also supporting our football team. You know, and we come back, they eat pizza, and we get after it. That's a beautiful thing, man. Coach, I got two more things I want, I want to uh, run at you, man, because you've been more than gracious with your time. Um, oh, I, I want to ask you about, about your influences. And you talked about a few of them. Uh, you, you mentioned Larry Heath, you know, coaching under him, and that sort of uh, lighting that fire under you and making it known to you what you wanted to do. You talked a lot about uh, about Jimmy Walker and, and about one of, well, one of your big dogs that that took you under under – his wing when you were a rookie, you know, in high school and everything. But do you have any other influences that you can speak to, whether it's uh, – it don't even have to be in the, in the realm of sports, but obviously that's where it stems from. Any, anybody who motivated or still motivates you to be the best version of yourself, either as a coach or as a man? Well, my number one influence would be Jesus Christ, of course. Yeah. You know, I'm a man of faith, and I try to, you know – be an example, you know, for kids. So I try to keep him first in everything that I do. Um, and then after that, it would be my dad. You know, he's the one that put the basketball in my hand. He's the one that taught me how to be a, a young man, you know, um, and that things are just bigger than basketball. Um, so my dad would be the next biggest influence. Um, and then as far as just straight basketball influence, um, the next one would be Larry Heath. You know, he, uh, you know, he took basketball for me to the next level. Um, he's the guy that helped me get to college. Um, he would take me to the gym and put me through individual workouts. Uh, he, matter of fact, I'll tell you a crazy story. Um, I'm an eighth grader, and uh, Coach Heath, he goes, man, I'm going to take you to try out for this AAU team. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be another eighth, other eighth graders that I'm going to. Or we, we pull up to Union, and I walk Union's old gym, and I walk in, you know, and we walk in at the top, and I look down on the floor. And I see Ryan Humphrey and Antonio Reed and Marcus uh -huh. Hill and all these guys. Heavy, are, you know, two or three. heavy hitters right there, Coach. Yeah, and I see all these guys that are two or three years older than me. 
And I'm like, uh, I, I think we're in the wrong, wrong tryout. <laughs> yeah, wrong gym, no, we're in the right tryout. So I go down there, you know, and this is the Tulsa Hawks back in the day. You know, they were the best AU team or whatever. And I go out there and I try out and I don't make the team, you know, and he comes, I come back and he goes, well, I knew you wouldn't make that team, but I just want to show you the level that you got to get to. You know what I mean? So he's, Larry was a huge influence on me as far as um, my playing career and, and, and getting into coaching, you know, my, my dad, um, you know, he was, he was probably the biggest influence just um, overall, just from showing me, you know, how to go hard, how to live right every day, you know, things like that, you know. Um, so those are probably the biggest influences for me. That's a big deal, man. Last thing, Coach, you, you, you talked a lot about your dad, but, you know, I follow you from a distance. I'm, I'm always watching on social media and everything like that. I see you and your son in the gym, and that sucker be working, man. How, how is it? working with your son or coaching your son because i always i always had a theory like man from the from since i'm not a parent i'm on the outside looking in i'm like man i see parents either being soft on their kids or they're being too hard man how is it for you have you found that balance yeah i i think i have you know i mean we still got a ways to go but um you know i with my son i just try to i just try to read him as far as does he really love this yet you know what i mean and that's you know, far as the level that I'm going to push him, but he loves being in the gym, you know, so he's made it really easy for me. Um, and there's times where I may be, you know, I second guess myself, was I too hard on him, you know, on this or that, but um, he, he loves it, you know, and the times that I thought I was too hard on him for, for something, it doesn't, it doesn't affect him. You know, he, daddy, let's go back to the gym. You know what I mean? Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool and it's special, you know, to have your, have your son in the gym with you. Um, you know, when we're at practice, he's there, he's at every game, you know, and then he's going to his own games. He's, he's definitely a gym rat, you know, and it makes it really fun when you're going, when you're on that basketball journey and your son is right there along with you, you know, I mean, he, he'll wake up in the morning, daddy, it's game day, you know, <laughs> and then it's game day, it's high school team's game day, but he feel like it's his game day. You know what I mean? And, and he knows all the players, and he loves being around them. You know, he, he loves the game, you know. So that makes it really fun for me um, to have him. You know, he's like my right-hand man. And we're in the gym, and we're working. You know, we're having fun at the same time. So we, we definitely try to keep that balance, too, you know. When we leave the gym, you know, we may talk basketball, but it's nothing serious, you know. We're talking about NBA guys or whatever. And, you know, just being a father-son, having a good time. Way to go, Coach, man. Listen, I, I want to thank you again, my man. It's been a while since we got to sit down and chop it up like this. And, uh, you know, you like I said, you've been more than gracious with your time and, and a hell of a season this year. I want to salute you on that. And I'm always going to be watching, you know, whether I'm up close and personal or if I'm from a distance, man. And we'll have to hook up and do this again down the line sometime. Yeah, definitely, man. Appreciate you for having me on it. And good luck to you and your coaching and everything that you got going as well. Absolutely, man. I'll be in touch real soon. All right, sounds good. Talk to y'all later, folks. See y'all next.